raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Hey guys, and welcome back into WFNZ's March Madness show. I am your host, Josh Marlowe. Alongside me is Anthony Pagnotta. You know us, though, here at WFNZ as Fitty and Flounder. We told you when we previewed the tournament, we'll be here all tournament long talking about the action. And now it is time, and I'm going to read this verbatim off the show sheet. Here we go. To talk about a absolutely first weekend concludes. That's how good it was. Who? What? What moron? Put this show sheet together. I don't know. Oh, it was me. Um, that just, yeah, that just tells you everything you need to know. I meant to put absolutely nuts first weekend concludes. And I was just sh- so blown away and so ready to talk about this weekend because... It was amazing. It was. Th- this is... I saw some people talking on social media... A couple people had sent me this when I posted uh, Friday night, I think. I don't remember which night I had posted about how can you not love March Madness. And there were a few people that told me that this March Madness has been, quote, lame. <laughs> I, I Apparently not enough offense for some people. I mean, were we watching? Like, I'm not saying that there was like a ton of offense. You didn't really see a ton of people getting into the 80s and 90s in the first round. That was a first round comment. But I mean, I don't know. Like, this was this was probably up there in terms of the tournaments that that we've had. And maybe it's maybe it's different. You know, we're used to because clearly, as many people know, we're both Tario fans. We're used to. It being somewhat pressure-packed because your team plays. There's usually a whole window that we kind of miss. Like, we have it on. That's one of the things. Like, during the season, we're we're not really, if we're, like, even if we're hanging out watching games together, we're not usually going to have another game on. We're kind of just going to focus on the Carolina game and everything because all the stuff, you know, we do on the side as well. But this time of year, we'll usually have it on, but we're still pretty locked in. This year, because Carolina clearly isn't in the NCAA tournament, get your laughs in now, uh, we were able to kind of focus, I mean, every single window. I saw the majority of all 48 games this year. Yes. And that's the first time in a long time, and it was it was pretty cool, I, I, I got to admit. And there were, some, there were some amazing matchups, I thought, in, in the first weekend. Yeah, I mean, like, I I went going into it saying, look, if I can't watch my team and have to stress for two and a half hours, then at least give me chaos and give me give me madness oh they answered that call and and this weekend this weekend did that and and so much more As, as a guy that beats down the door for this being a great sport Uh, to me it's the greatest it's the greatest sport we have here because what you saw this weekend in 48 games that's college basketball from the start of the season till the national title game this is what you see 
It is the most unpredictable sport. You never know what's going to happen. And whether you're on a neutral court, home court, you're an away team or whatever, the, the the chaos that is college basketball, you know, it's 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 always on display. It gets highlighted for three weeks. And I mean this I mean this year it was it was just fantastic. You get the second ever sixteen over a one. Uh took out my national champion the the uh in Purdue. And I wasn't even <laughs> I wonder who told you that that was that was uh, an extremely risky national title. Pick. And I wasn't even mad. Like I was so there for it. I was so there for the upset. You got a 15 seed over a two seed for the third straight year. It's it's time now, right? We we said it when we were previewing the bracket. You have to pick it every year. You gotta you you gotta at least identify when. Well, maybe not every year, but you gotta at least identify one. That well, I mean, you I did. feel a little concerned about, and honestly, I think every year you've got to identify that one team, and even if you have them winning their first round, you should probably have them exiting in the second round, so it doesn't kill your bracket. Because at this point, I mean, I just I don't see. I mean, it's three straight years now. Now it's two straight years that that team has then gone on to advance to the Sweet Sixteen. Third at straight the least. year. Third straight year they've had in sweet because Oral Roberts was a oh they did go that's in right the Sweet Sixteen so I mean yeah you got I mean it's the third straight year a team has gone to the second weekend I mean it's it's becoming a part of it man you got to start identifying that how about the fact that the third straight year that happens and this time this year for the first time since 2018 no twelves beat a five seed yeah we were all trying to predict that I had. I didn't have Oral Roberts over Duke, clearly. I nope. didn't have VCU over St. Mary's, but nope. I did I have I had, I had the other two. I had Drake over Miami and I had Charleston over um San Diego State. I actually had them in the Sweet Sixteen. And I and I and I feel like with that not happening this year, maybe goes to show you maybe maybe the seeding wasn't as bad. Because I didn't have a problem with who the 12 seeds were. I thought VCU, uh, because the A-10 was just a one-bid league this year, usually that's a league that's getting three or four teams in. They were going to be a 12. Mm-hmm. Charleston, like Charleston could have been a 10 and I wouldn't have complained. Like they were that good, but because of their conference, about a, a 12 is about as high as Charleston is going to get. Uh, Dre- Even though that, that's one of the better men made. Come on, man. The way that conference played this year. You could have put them at, a, at, I mean, at least an eleven, right? Make one no. of the play-in, make one of the play-in teams. Elevens uh, are usually reserved for your 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 last four buys for Power Five. You're conference. telling me that you don't think that Charleston's a better team than NC State? That was just, by the way, that was just the one team that came to mind. I think I think Charleston could beat them. I think Charleston. It's, just, it's could not the way the seeding model goes. The yeah. eleven, you know, if, now you could see them maybe like the highest they would ever go. God. They'd have to be undefeated. Like, Butler, the first time they went to the National Tiger, they were a 5 seed when they were in the Horizon League. So it wasn't even Big East to Butler. They were in a one-bid league, and they were a 5 seed. Yeah, yeah, they're not going to get that high. You know, those days are gone. But I think that was something that I took away from that was that maybe the seeding wasn't all that bad. There were still some teams I thought were – uh, egregiously misseeded teams that got beat in the second round, Duke and Missouri, for instance. But you know, it was just it was just chaotic, mm-hmm. and it was just it it was absolutely fantastic. 
um, because you get to see all this stuff happen. And like the thing about the the Purdue upset was that like usually you build towards that. And Friday the day session was it wasn't bad, but it wasn't like you you didn't have the feeling going into Friday night that something was going to happen because something happened earlier in the day. And then I knew with the under-16 timeout in the second half, I knew they were going to get beat. Because when you don't come out, like we've seen UNC trail at half to a, to a 16 seed, and it's happened other times. Usually the number one seed will come out and, and establish control of the game. Kansas did it. And when that didn't happen... I was just like, you know, they they're, they're going to be in for, they were going to be in for a dogfight. You know, we heard so much about how good, you know, the Big Ten is. Um, well, they've they're so good. They've got one team left. The ACC, a down year, and that showed up in the tournament. They've got one team left in Miami, but they're back in the Sweet Sixteen. What what do you so so we got? We, I mean, we're since we're WFNZ here in Charlotte. I think we got to talk about the two teams from this area that exited the tournament out of the ACC. I mean, NC State, we're not shocked, right? Like, I, I, I didn't pick them in my bracket. I'm not shocked that they played a tough game. I just, I mean, look, man, when you allow 31 to Ryan Kalkbrenner, there's not, I mean, you're there's not much you can really do. I, I got to be honest. I was shocked that he took over the game the way that he did. I really thought State would at least be able to throw something more at him. But DJ Burns got in foul trouble, and I mean no one, no one else really showed up offensively outside of Traquavion Smith. He he was amazing. He just, I mean, no 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 one was really there to help him, and, and ultimately it's their it's their demise. I, I think that's the most surprising thing is that we knew going in with them, if he played well, they would. I think we all kind of in agreement that if he played well, State wins. Yep, he plays well, and they don't win. But I also said going into the first round of the tournament, Kalkbrenner versus DJ Burns may have been the best individual matchup in the first round. Like it was just going to be so intriguing. And Creighton is a team that they're still playing. They're going to be in the Sweet Sixteen. If this team makes the Final Four, this team wins a national championship. You shouldn't be surprised. They've got a good program. They've got a lot of great players. They were just beat to crap in December and January. Them and them and Arkansas are very very similar teams. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so now they're healthy and they're hot. As for Duke, I, I I think the thing, I think the thing that's the most damning about Duke's loss is they like in a lot of different ways they showed a lot of grit and fight like. I think Filipowski answered so many questions about his toughness, the way he was getting battered and beaten down low. Tyrese Proctor, at one point, I thought Tyus Jones had come back because he was making every big play there was to be made for Duke. I got that same exact type uh, of feeling. You yep. know, if you would have told me, though, with, with, with no Sakai Ziegler, like I, I with, with him on the court, Tennessee won a national championship. They're that good because they're still playing without their point guard because they defend it as well as any team in the country. But even if they got 65 points, you would think that Duke would still beat them. And I think that's the thing that Shire really did a really good job adjusting his strengths to his team this year. This was a defensive-minded Duke team. This team had to, because they, they couldn't score it well enough. And I know Jeremy Roach was 3-6 of six from 3, but this guy came back to exercise his demons from last year. Shouldn't have mattered. He should First of all, he should have been out of the game. He had a reaching foul that they that he was lucky was not called on him. Um, 
Because if it was, he would have been out of the game earlier. That probably would have ended any hope that they had. But the thing that was that was evident to me, they just they could not handle the physicality of Tennessee. Tennessee punched him in the face literally and figuratively, and they just had no response. Nope. And I mean, credit, credit, I gotta tell you, man, you talk about one of the dudes in college basketball that just has one of the most punchable faces I've ever seen in my life in Rick Barnes. But that dude can coach, man. I I mean, I I am far from his biggest fan, but the fact, here's the thing about them. The fact that they came out and looked as good as they did the other day, they almost blew an 18-point lead to Louisiana in the first round. Mm -hmm. Scored 58 points. We were sitting there saying to ourselves, yeah, this is the Tennessee that we've seen. I don't know who who that Tennessee team was that we saw on Saturday. Comois, that was unbelievable, the shots that he was hitting. I mean, he came in averaging 11 points per game, scored 27. Like, I mean, it's, it's going to be hard for Duke to win games like that when you got him stepping up, Santiago Vescovi, he only hit four shots, but guess what? All four of those shots were from beyond the arc. Yep. Huge shots. So... You know that you got to give a lot of credit to Tennessee, but I got to be honest. I, I was I was kind of shocked that Duke. I, I thought there was a chance that Duke could get eliminated before the Final Four, where I picked them. I, I thought they could get into a matchup where a team can just just outscore them. There is no chance in hell that I would have guessed that team would be Tennessee that gets them in the end well I mean like like to me I'm not surprised that Tennessee won the game I'm really not like I, I watched Tennessee enough to where I knew that the way that they defend was gonna was gonna keep them in, a, in a, keep them in a chance to win the game it was more the fact that I never once thought Duke had control of the game it felt like Tennessee's game to lose the the entire time, and I didn't expect that going in. Um, it was it was just a great. It was just a, it was just it was a fun physical game right there in that two forty window on Saturday. Um, it, you know, and, and just what was for for as now all the local teams here in the Charlotte area, they're all gone. I mean, of course, Carolina didn't make it. Wake didn't make it. Duke, you know, the 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 region had opened up for them to really kind of cakewalk themselves to the Elite Eight and maybe the Final Four. They don't make it. And then NC State, even though it felt like 1983 back in February, their season comes to an end in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Um, and what was just a great first a great first weekend of the tournament. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be here all show long. We're going to go kind of like we did when we previewed the, the tournament. We're going to go region by region, talk about all the action. And that's what we're going to do next. We're going to dive into the South region. We'll look at the results from the first round and the second round. All that and more coming up next on the WFNZ March Madness Show. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Welcome back in to the WFNZ March Madness Show. That's right, guys. Believe it or not, we are back. And we are going to be taking you through not only 
the results of each weekend. We will also be previewing each weekend. So in the end, what is it? Six editions of this podcast? Something like that. There you go. So you don't have to deal with us for too long, but for those of uh, those of you guys that are enjoying it, we greatly appreciate you. By the way, you didn't use one of my stats that I put in here, one of my favorite stats in that first segment. I'm I'm hurt by that. Ten different conferences represented in the Sweet 16. It's the most ever since like 2010. It's unbelievable. Three from the SEC. By, by the way, Big East, don't think we really talked about them you know, as much as we probably should have, some Speak heavy for hitters in there. And one of them, Marquette, bows out. So for them to get three into the second weekend, amazing. Big 12 with just two. Best conference in the country this year. And then the ACC, Big 10, Pac-12, American, <laughs> Mountain West. That's for our guy, Colin Hoggard. Uh, conference USA. And the West Coast Conference all represented in the... Okay, what's that face for? Um, You don't have the Ivy League. Oh, so that's 11 then. Yeah. Okay. Well, see, that's why I didn't want to... I didn't want to promote falsified information... Well, maybe you should have looked over this before uh, <laughs> before we did the we, we ended up recording here. But you know what? Still unbelievably impressive. Really, what I'm saying is there's been a lot of chaos, and it, it's given us a, a different group of teams to talk about here than you know even in years past. There's so much parity in college basketball. And look, let's head up to the South region. Uh, this one, speaking of some chaos, this produces one of the most chaotic portions of the bracket and it does this is this is where it's really bad on my part it does involve that Ivy League team mm-hmm. that you talked about um what a performance man from Princeton this weekend in this part of the bracket they start off a 59-55 win over Arizona you know this was another one of those games that i think you know they were they were trailing at halftime um to Arizona, you know, they had fought, but Arizona had pretty comfortable lead at the half, at least for a first-round game. I think we knew pretty early in that second half, though, when Princeton started to close that gap, it became really obvious that this was going to be a game that came down to the wire. There was a legitimate chance that they could pull the upset, and they do. Arizona, once again, falling short... Which at this point, I mean, it's just a program thing for them. I mean, they have really, really struggled in these types of situations. It seems like they always end up coming up short. You know, one of the things that we talked about so much when Sean Miller was there was this was just a team that couldn't get over the hump. And so far, I mean, look, it's still early in his tenure, but this is not the greatest start to the NCAA tournaments for. Uh, Tommy Lloyd, after successful regular seasons to get beat in this game, definitely hurt. But then Princeton turns around and they take down Missouri, a game where, you know, look, Missouri was a team that had an extremely high scoring offense. They looked, you know, pretty good in the game against Utah State. They pulled away in that second half. And I think a lot of us probably thought, okay, You'll probably see Missouri come out here and and, and find a way to beat Princeton. Well, Princeton absolutely dominated the game from start to finish. 
and they take home the 78-63 win. And so they are going on to the Sweet 16. As we mentioned in the first segment, that is the second or the third straight team to go to the Sweet 16 as a 15 seed. Uh, And it is the second consecutive season that that 15 seed comes out of the state of New Jersey. Now the question becomes, can they do the same thing that St. Peter's did a year ago? Well, what did you make of the weekend from the Tigers of Princeton? You know, when it came to the first game against the Zona, the reason why, you know, and look, I identified Colgate as the 15 seed that I thought could give the two the problem. So, like, I, I do my homework and I identify these matchups. Princeton doesn't have the size that Arizona has with Tubelis and Balo down low. And for some reason, Courtney Ramey, who was playing in his last ever NCAA tournament, wanted to take every shot that mattered down the stretch. My God, the last four minutes, he I think he may have been the only person that took a shot. It was unbelievable. And, and so they just did what they did really well in, in, in the game more than anything was they got their perimeter shooters out of rhythm to where when they caught when, when they caught the ball they were thinking instead of playing. They weren't they were being, you know, they were they were not being proactive, they were being reactive. And so they did just a really good job, you know, slowing the game down, as you would imagine from a Princeton team. You know, their head coach was like he should be on Wall Street, not not on a basketball court. He outcoached Tommy Lloyd. And it was just a classic, you know, Ivy League upset where it was just a bunch of scrawny nerds out there that scrapped and battled and and oh made and made all the plays. And then you go into the game against Missouri, you know, our, our guy here at the station, I, well, Palachik is a Mizzou guy. I wanted Mizzou to get through. But the thing that they've had the biggest issue is is when, when their perimeter game isn't there, they don't defend. And they could not make perimeter shots. Kobe Brown just could not channel his inner Kobe Bryant. And their long their long misses led to easy runouts the other way in, in a game that was that was pretty much over early in the second half. Like there there was just never really a threat from Mizzou. And you know, I, I look at this Princeton team and look at their confidence. I watched them in their Ivy League final. Um you know, I'm not saying they give Loyola Chicago vibes or anything like that, where they could go all the way to the Final Four. But if they get to the the Elite Eight, I'm not going to be surprised because they're disciplined, they're smart. Nothing really seems to phase them, and you know, it was it's it's just a really fun weekend. Their women also they won. Their first round game, they got to the round of 32. Yep. Then they had a wrestler win a championship. Like all of a sudden, Princeton is becoming this 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 collegiate power we haven't seen since the 1800s when college football was a big deal to them. And I'm sure they were like burning couches in the street and everything, right? Yeah. No, I don't think anybody. They were doing really what, they were doing what we were doing, sitting on our butts at home. I think. Well, I think they were actually maybe studying or something. I was studying for the show. Okay, well, that congratulations. I don't think uh, it's going to pay off in a degree quite like the ones they're getting. Uh, The thing that shocked me about the game against Missouri, I mean, they just just beat their ass on the glass. (laughs) I mean, they had 44 rebounds in this game to Missouri's 30, 16 of them on the offensive glass. They had 16 offensive rebounds. Missouri had 22 defensive rebounds. There's not many games where you're going to be able to win that way. Caden Pierce was dominant. And see, here's the thing. Usually, these types of teams, you're going to see these amazing offensive performances that put these teams over the top. 
And we didn't really see that from either one of the really high double-digit seeds that were able to get past at least the first round and even into the second round. You know, in the first game for Princeton, uh, Eva Webanon was the was the the guy that was their leading scorer. He was the only guy in double figures in that game. It was they spread a lot of the scoring out, and then against Missouri, look. Ryan Langborg was was really good. He had 22, but it still wasn't like there were certain guys just completely taking over games. And so, yeah, this this Princeton team, I mean, look, they're they're relatively dangerous. It's going to be interesting cuz they're taking on, you know, a 6 seed in in Creighton. So, you know, it, the the seed line would tell you that they've got a pretty good chance, but look, I'm I'm telling you, man, Creighton this we we said in the first segment. This looks like a team that just needed to get healthy because Kalkbrenner was amazing in the game against State, and then Ryan Nemhard was on fire last night against Baylor. I mean, he scored thirty. So they've had back to back games now with a different guy scoring thirty points. Not to mention, you still have Baylor Shireman, who's a tremendous player. They've got so many different guys that can hurt you on the offensive end of the floor. I got to tell you, if if as long as they continue to stay healthy, I don't it, that matchup between them and Alabama that could loom in the Elite Eight. I mean, the first one to ninety probably wins that game. The the both of those teams can score, and the way that Creighton is playing right now, I I, I find it hard to believe. I know I, Princeton great first weekend. Man, Creighton's playing some good basketball. Yeah, and, and they're 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 just a byproduct of what makes the tournament the tournament. It's all about matchups and who's playing well going in. They certainly are by by the biggest the biggest reason is because of their uh, their health. Uh, McDermott can always coach really good offense. They can they can space it. They can score inside. They can score outside. They've got three level scores. Uh, that's going to be a really fun Sweet 16 game. And what's and what's really going to be like? Bama's going to they've definitely emerged as the overwhelming favorite to come out of this region. But you know I'm with you. If if, if Creighton does come out of this thing, I'm not going to be overly surprised. And what's been a really fun region from top to bottom. Now what about San Diego State? God, they, they, you talk about a team that. I don't think we really gave them enough credit for how well they defend. They dodged the bullet against Charleston, and I thought you saw in that second game why we probably shouldn't have doubted them as much. Now, Furman was a team that I think just ran out of steam because they put everything they had into that first game against Virginia. They were also just overmatched. They didn't match up well with San Diego State at all. Well, yeah, and I mean... Whether when, it was when you, when energy you, or not, from a matchup, like they matched up well with Virginia, they didn't match up. Once that upset went final, I didn't give them any chance at all at getting by San Diego. State. Well, and I mean, you lose. You know, Slauson goes out early for you. He was he he was your leading scorer, conference player of the year in the Southern Conference. It was an uphill battle for you when he gets in foul trouble. So, uh, but San Diego State, I think there there needs to be a lot of credit given here, man. Matt Bradley, veteran guy, transfer from Cal. He's done some really good things for them this year. Brian Dutcher is is a really good coach. I I, I don't think I think people you know they he looks were wondering, like Steve Martin by the way. Steve Martin, yeah. Not even close. Oh yeah, if you look at him when he's in uh, cheaper by the dozen too, there's a lot of similarities there. I'm not seeing it. I don't remember which person he looked like. 
There was some celebrity that I was thinking of the other day. Like a I cross between Steve Martin and uh, oh, who's the guy that plays Gibbs in NCIS? Mark Hammond? What an odd combination. I got to be honest, I don't watch NCIS. So Great TV, great drama. Kind of like, like this tournament, which also airs on CBS. Is it? By the way, do you like, people were absolutely going nuts over this on social media. Do you like the just random television shows every year that they have the play-by-play guys read? Oh, you mean with the Masters? Names that, with names that they just, they have absolutely no idea what they what what they are reading off what what was what was the one that they had on last night it's a oh it's it's some sort of like internet challenge like internet stars that are competing in a challenge and apparently they'll show up and do something at the final four the names they were trying to i mean these they have no idea who these people are like hearing jim nance read this iron eagle i love iron eagle iron eagle has no idea who these people are i got duped by this actually one year they they came out with the show is called under the dome oh and, yeah i and, do remember that and, that one actually did pretty well though i there were some people that oh the that. ending to that show was it, it's arguably the worst ending to a television show in history which is why it, it, it only lasted one season it was like two. Oh, okay yeah but yeah uh yeah yeah tv tv is really <laughs> really bad what was that this is why i encourage uh, people to just go back we're not getting on this we're and not, rewatch not, other great television shows because tv that. directing and acting today sucks okay okay yeah all right all right let's we're, we're gonna get down a rabbit hole here that we don't want to go down because we could do a whole nother podcast on that um okay we so we we talked about three t because i I mean, did was Alabama really impressive? Yes. I mean, they're, yes. they're they're Alabama. Like, I think we expected this is Alabama that. basketball. You can't say they're Alabama. But I, I mean, I expected them to probably handle their business against both of those teams. I mean, look what they did defensively against Maryland. I really thought was was something. That's what they overwhelmed Maryland. Something that West Virginia Bob Huggins could not do. And look, there's been a lot of comparisons to Brandon Miller and Paul George. That's his NBA comp. And yeah. you can see it because Paul George, before he snapped his leg in half like a tree branch, was oh a great two-way basketball player. Wow. Brandon Miller, for all of his all the stuff we talk about him scoring the ball, and God knows he can score it. He defends his tail off. And they overwhelmed, they overwhelmed Maryland in a way defensively. That I saw Houston overwhelm Auburn in the second half, mm-hmm. and, and I, to me that spoke that spoke volumes because it, it's gone it's gone under the radar because they've scored the ball so well. They also can defend at a high level. Yeah, Javon Quinterly was fantastic in that one as well. But here's the thing: here's the question: Which team impressed you the most out of this region this weekend? I mean, it's got to be Princeton because they're a 15 seed in the Sweet 16. Uh, and then probably San Diego State. I had Charleston with the upset. They hadn't won a, a tournament game in like six years. That 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 came to an end, um, and mainly because of their defense. They they can beat Bama, and we'll preview this game later in the week. But mm-hmm. because of the way that they defend, they'll be able to compete with them. I don't know if they can score with them. You're gonna have to have that. You're gonna, you're gonna have to hope that Brandon Miller's not healthy. Mark Sears has an off day. Quinterly and Clowney don't don't have their way, but uh, I would probably go Princeton one, San Diego State two, Creighton three, and then give me the one seed Bama four. They they all they all four impressed. 
I I would say yeah, clearly Princeton I think is up there. Just I mean I mean how how they beat Missouri the other day was was amazing to me. Um Creighton, I would have Creighton second because it's one thing to beat both State and Baylor. I got to be honest, the way that they played against Baylor, maybe it says more about Baylor. There was never a question in my mind after about the under eight timeout in the fir- or the under twelve timeout in the first half that Creighton was going to win that game. That was how dominant they were mm-hmm. in, in that game. That that is just a tremendous job because. I mean, there were a lot, there there were a lot of people that were picking NC State to win that first round matchup. But this Creighton team is showing what we thought about them all along, especially earlier in the season. And you know, look, I I didn't have the utmost confidence in them coming in because I thought you saw towards the end of conference play in the Big East they faded a little bit, and I was wondering, okay, are are, are they are they still maybe not the team that we thought in the preseason? No, if that team shows up again. This this weekend, I think there is no doubt this team could end up in Houston. Um, San Diego State, I think, would probably be third. Really impressed by their defense. My thing with them, you know, just I don't know how much you could take away from that game against Furman. Um, but, I mean, still, to, to beat them as handedly as they did, I, I think they deserve a lot of credit. And then, yeah, probably Bama. Uh, real quickly, uh, best game from this weekend, from this region. It's easy. It's it's the Furman-Virginia upset. <sighs> Ooh. Yeah. I don't know, though. That Maryland-West Virginia game, the back-and-forth affair once Maryland came back in that game, that was that was something special, man. What ton of credit to Maryland. That was that was an amazing performance. Kevin Willard, a great job coaching his guys uh, in that one to get them back against a guy in Bob Huggins that's seen as one of the best coaches in college basketball. Speak for yourself. So uh, yeah, I, I think that was that was probably it's probably the best game for me. But I think it's it's debatable between that one and that Furman game. Epic finish uh, to that Furman game as well. So that is your look at the South region. As we said, we're going to be going around to each region and taking a look at these games. Next up, <laughs> that's right, it's the region that destroyed your bracket, buddy. It's the East region. We have to talk about a 16 seed pulling the upset over a one for just the second time in tournament history. And we also talk about a second round that saw a major, major upset for a Final Four favorite as well as a really, really competitive matchup in Greensboro. Stick around for all that here on the WFNZ March Madness Show. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Hey guys, welcome back in. It's WFNZ's March Madden, the show. Fiddy and Flounder, we're hanging out with you guys, making our way through recapping the first weekend of the tournament. 
We now move to the bottom left portion of your bracket, which was the East Region. Run through the first round results here really quickly. Uh, you do have the 16 over the 1 for the second time ever. FDU taking down Purdue, 63-58. The 8-9 matchup, will get, which brought us the most viral moment of the first weekend, Memphis losing to Florida Atlanta, 66-65, which saw Penny Hardaway throw his water bottle. Um, then you had Duke, the 5, beating the 12-seat Oral Roberts, 74-51. Um, Duke led 15 to nothing at one point in the game. Oral Roberts had a chance to make it 32 to 20, and a blown layup really nullified any chance of them making a comeback. Ten- Tennessee, we re- well, we referenced their 18 point lead they hit on against Louisiana, 58 55. The then you had Kentucky in, Pro- in Providence that game in Greensboro, 61 53. Providence, their season over, Ed Cooley, now the new head coach at Georgetown. Then you had Kansas State, Montana State, the 314, the Wildcats win that one, 77-65. You had Michigan State, USC, a 72-62 win for Sparty. And then you had Marquette, they beat Vermont 78-61. We'll focus on the FDU upset here once again. Yep. And I thought the thing they did really well, they were dead last in effective height rate, according to uh, Ken Palm. They were 363rd. The thing they did that's that's getting not talked about enough was they wore Zach Eady out defensively because they drew him out to the perimeter and they made him chase and they made him work through screen after screen and having to you know collapse on driver uh, on on slashers to the lane and all this type of stuff. Matt Painter's job should be in question because this is a third straight year you've been beaten by a double-digit seed in the tournament. And I'll echo what what Jay Billis said on college game day Saturday morning. Purdue sucked. And at this point, it is is starting to become a style of play issue when this is a trend happening not once, not twice, but three straight years. Zach Eady took one shot the final 13 and a half minutes of the game. That is that is coaching malpractice. Well, it was, look, to be fair, it was not all due to the fact that they were not trying to get in the ball. They did. But the way that Fairleigh Dickinson was doubling them, the way that it, it really it was just a delayed double guys would try to come. When he would turn to his left, it, that, that was what seemed to be his biggest issue. When he would get on that right block, whenever he would turn to his left to try to score, they would have a guy come in back door and poke the ball out. And they did that so <laughs> often to him. And it just, it's, this is, and I told you, this was the reason why I didn't think they'd make it out of the first weekend. I didn't think they'd lose this game. I mean, you're talking about them losing to a team that last year was 4-22 and that did not win their conference regular season or their conference tournament title. Nope. And had to win a play-in game to get there. But this is the issue with how they – like you said, the style of play is, is an issue. The problem for this year's team, they didn't have the right guys that they needed around him. What was the biggest reason when you saw teams that made runs for Purdue before the issues they've had these last three years? What was the difference between those teams and the last few teams that we've seen? It's guard play. I mean, you are talking about the year that they fell in the Elite Eight where they very well could have been in the Final Four. 
but they came up short against Virginia. They, I mean, Carson Edwards was one of the best guards in the country. Mm-hmm. And we have not seen that from them since then. Who was the, who who was the guard that was gonna that was gonna do anything to help out Zach Eady for this team? Nobody. They didn't show up. They, they, it was evident that was their biggest issue in conference play. And we knew, I knew at some point it was going to show up. I did not think it would be this early. And look, I I'm not where you're at with Matt Painter. My thing with that is, okay, if you if you let Matt Painter go, who who is coming there and, and doing a better job? I mean, like, at, at this point, he's been there going on. I believe he's been there at 20 years or going over going on 20 years. Th- this happens far too often. I mean, but it you're, is, it's not. Are just, you getting some? Are you guaranteed to get someone better at that program? I mean, look, it's, I don't it, think it's so. not about guarantees, but is what he's doing good enough? Because I don't think so. When you're when you're getting the talent he's getting, you're getting the seeds that they're getting. Are they are they really getting that much talent? I mean, you. I mean, they're getting big men. They, they are the East Coast Arizona right now, where or the Midwest Arizona. It's a where, fair point. Yeah, you know, you're going to get a great seed and. You know, you're going to lose to a team that... And look, a part of this event is you lose games you shouldn't lose. Once every handful of tournaments. This is three straight years. Yeah, I mean, look, North Texas, I think, a few years ago, understandable. That was a good team. That's your first time... That that was the first time in a while that you lost a game early. Whatever. St. Peter's last year, not great. Not great, although they made it to the Elite Eight. This one, this one's concerning. And and look, man, all the credit in the world. Dude, Tobin Anderson coached his ass off, man. What a weekend for that dude. Like, he called his shot in the locker room the other night after they won the play-in game. But, I mean, man, this this was just... I, I it, was, it was mind-blowing to watch this. Because you thought at some point Purdue would... That that just the athletes on the team. You thought Edie would eventually just take over the game, but I thought it was I thought it was evident. And you said this after you know just watching the game. Just one team wanted it more than the other. Oh yeah, no, they they, they got out everything. They got they, oh okay yeah they got out cared. Good breakdown. I they like got it. out hustled. They got out coached. Um, and it's happened three straight years. And frankly. That shouldn't happen to the teams that you're you're getting you're getting beat by. Mm-hmm. Like it'd be different if one of those double digit seeds was a power five school. Like you were you were a three seed that got beat by an eleven in the Sweet Sixteen or whatever, whatever it is. Yeah, that's not happening. You're, you're losing. You know, outside of St. Peter's because they were a fifteen that made the second weekend. You're losing in the first weekend to double digit seeds with the amount of talent. What you're doing in the Big Ten, that shouldn't happen. I thought FAU and Memphis was fantastic. That game, oh was, what a game! It was competitive. There was high energy. Exactly what we thought. And d- you know what? You said that maybe the committee was damn you committee. A great matchup, but both of those teams deserve to be in the round of 32. Those were two really good basketball teams. Um, dude, you got to give credit to Kendrick Davis staying in that game. After hurting himself, I I thought you know that was that would that was a gutsy effort, but <laughs> man, Florida dude, Dusty D- Dusty May deserves a ton of credit. Uh, Kentucky and Providence, I thought was 
I think it was what what it was going to be. You saw there was a game of two teams that you could tell at one point why they were on the outside looking in for the tournament, mm-hmm. or why Providence found itself on the bubble. It was competitive. Um, it wasn't as good as Kansas State Kentucky was on Sunday. No, that may have been the best game of the weekend. That game was uberly fantastic, yep. and then Michigan State USC. You know, Izzo. For some reason, we've we've nicknamed him March because he's won one national title, and that's enough to get a whole month nickname. Well, no, no. Here's what it is: he wins in March. Um, Does he? he? Has one national championship. When is the national championship played? It's in April. He wins in March. He'll get to the big stage, but that's where he always craps himself. I I, so, I really thought you know because I saw USC enough. I, I thought their style of play was going to win out over. Over Michigan State's style of play, that didn't happen. They got bullied. I mean, dude, after really after the first about about eight to ten minutes of that game, it became pretty evident that Michigan, Michigan State, State was, was better. In control. Yeah, yeah, they were in control. So you know, the I, I thought the first round was really good. The second round, though. I mean, the, the, this, this, this this region might have produced the best games of the week. Yeah, the second round was Tremendous. amazing. You know, that you had FAU beating FDU seventy eight to seventy in a game that was just it was just full of runs. Like, yep. you know, FAU would punch him in the mouth, and then you would think FDU was going to give in. Well, then FDU would come back, and then and then they would maybe you think they're going to take control of the game. It it was just it was like a seesaw back and forth. Eventually, though, the Knights did run out of gas. That Tennessee Duke game, the, the, I I still think the thing that that struck out to me the most was just the physicality Tennessee played with. And I saw a lot of people saying that Tennessee was being allowed to play physical. Did you watch the rest of the damn tournament? Yeah, because that's, physicality yeah. was the, and that's something that I like. Like, I, look, do I want to sit here and see people getting clotheslined and stuff like that? No. But there's uh, there needs to be a level of physicality in, in the game. If not, you have what the NBA is where if you fart, it's a foul. Nobody wants that. No. And I thought the thing that Tennessee did really well was mm-hmm. they were just physical up and down the roster. Yeah. No, no they, I mean, you, and you knew it early. Man, and you could say whatever you want. I know a, few, a lot of people were mad at at, at Plosvic and or Plosic. How do you? I don't even know how you pronounce it. Plosic. There you go. Um, there are a lot of people mad at him. I thought you know the back and forth between him and Filipowski. Although the first one, Filipowski sort of sold it. Although, oh, I mean, you got el- you got elbowed in the in in the stomach. So yeah, I mean, um, you know the the the. Rebound where he gets cut on the eye. I think who was that? Adu. I think gets him in the face there. Um, that one. I thought. I thought the last one you could have questioned. Maybe, maybe a flagrant on that. The only reason I say that is because uh, we, you know, Leaky Black got ejected from a game earlier this year for uh, the foul on Terquavion Smith, where basically they said, "Hey, due to the injury, I mean, Filipowski was injured." Um, also, look at what happened in last year's second round of the NCAA tournament. What Brady Manick was ejected off of. So, still, it's 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 a much different tournament. And that, that I did notice that though. When you talk about the officiating just throughout, I thought they let a lot of stuff go. I, I did, did talked about one of my favorite games from the South region, Maryland and West Virginia. I mean, you had guys just blatantly getting raked across the arm no call easy like i was like my gosh man that's but 
you know, they, they've let some physicality go. But, yeah, I, I mean, when you talk about the most entertaining region, you know, you had the upset, which was also a really good game back and forth down the stretch. Florida Atlantic-Memphis was amazing. What a finish. Florida Atlantic, fairly Dickinson was tremendous. And then I thought, I, I thought you were Kansas State, Kentucky. That might have been the best game this whole tournament. It was, it was phenomenal. The shots that Kansas State hit after being one for thirteen at one point from beyond the arc was unreal. Yep. I thought they got dudes as Jerome Tanks in the post game. I, I mean, I'm telling you, there, there were, there were a few times even in that second half where I thought, dude, Kentucky just has too much. The offensive rebounds that they were getting to. I was like, I don't, I don't know, and, and and you didn't have the shooting from the outside for Kansas State, but you're right, they did have the dudes that Kentucky didn't have because when it came to nut cutting time, when it came to when you had to make shots, dude, your your guy, you've been on him the entire year, man. Marquise Noel was tremendous, phenomenal. I mean, he him, was as the kids say, he was. Outstanding, and then and then when you, with, with with what Keontae Johnson's going, what, what his, his comeback story is he, dude? He's got to be one of the most underrated players in college basketball, right? The like, season that he's having that no one's talking about. My God, when you see what that kid is is has overcome and what yeah. he's doing on the court, collapsed on the court in uh, at Florida. What was it, twenty nineteen? I believe it's for it's people why, that don't know. it's why we love sports the way that we do because and the best thing about this tournament is yes, we get great games you get great stories and this region delivered both of those where you got great games on in both the first and the second rounds you got great storylines with a 16 beating a one um you know just just and the thing about i'll touch on this real quick before we go before we go to break i saw the marquette loss coming because they looked yeah they looked so out of whack against vermont they look like a team that didn't know how to handle being a two seed with 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 legitimate final four aspirations and it's okay Shaka's just in his second there second year there with the program second or third year and he's going to build towards that but yeah oh spare me spare me that crap I'm sorry. Why are we cutting this dude a break? Cuz I was told this was this was the next great coach in college basketball. Like you talk about a dude that is woefully underachieved. That's Shaka Smart in a nutshell for you. He couldn't get the job done at Texas. You could say whatever you want about this. I mean, look, the worst thing that I think happened for them, do you agree with this? Them winning the Big East tournament probably hurt them. Uh, I mean, it's going to be a, you're going to have a hard time selling me on winning a conference tournament's a bad thing. I mean, it's a bad thing. As Carolina fans, we think it's a bad thing for the most part. I, I I think... It seemed like when you watched them yesterday, that was a team that looked like they were at times out of gas. Now, part of that, I think, was because Michigan State was tremendous defensively. Like, Kolak, Kolak had nothing. I, I, I think God. more than anything with them, because of their record, you could justify their two seed. That, that was a three seed. Yeah. <laughs> That that's well, what I, that was I took away from it. I, I I thought them and Xavier, and I know what they did in, in to Xavier in the Big East title game. Um, I think those are two very similar teams, mm-hmm. and um, and so that was my thing. But all in all, it was, it was a great it was a great weekend for 
for the East Region. Can, so. I, can I say the team that impressed me the most from this? Can it, can it be Fairleigh Dickinson? I mean, it's got to be. A team that lost in the second round? Because they, they could have easily rolled over and just kind of let Florida Atlantic walk through, said, that's, hey, man, we got our That's not going to happen with their coach. Dude, that, they played. There was a time last night where I legitimately thought to myself, this team's going to the Sweet 16. Because they played extremely well. You saw again, a team that just, they were gritty. The shortest team. Are they the shortest team in college basketball, average height-wise? Got to be close, uh, you know, right? From an effective height rate perspective, yes, their their average height six one. I so. mean, that's that's unbelievably tiny. So yeah, I, I think I mean them, and and I got to tell you, I got to give a lot of credit. I know you know they 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 didn't look great in their first game because they let Louisiana come back. Man, Tennessee deserves a lot of credit because I think we all thought this team would be gone by. By this point, we did not think that team would be in the second weekend, especially without Sakai Ziegler. Great, great coaching job by Rick Barnes. That's a look at the East region. Coming up next, we'll turn our attention to the Midwest. We'll go through that region's first and second round results as we continue here on WFNZ's March Madness show. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Hey guys, welcome back in to the WFNZ March Madness Show. We have completed the one side of the bracket, and now it's time to move over to the other side of the bracket and talk about the Midwest region, the other region where the one seed was able to survive. Houston, a little bit of a ugly one against Northern Kentucky. There were a couple times where you probably felt a little bit nervous if you were a Houston fan. Uh, they did, you know, have Jabal Shared get roughed up a little bit in that game as well, but they survived and moved on. Uh, a couple other games that stood out that a lot of people were keeping an eye on: Miami over Drake. Uh, Drake, you know, for a, a little bit there, especially in that first half, Miami just, oh my God, they were terrible early in that game from the field. Uh, but Drake, even with all that veteran experience, didn't have enough. The guards. Uh, particularly Nigel Pack in that one steps up as Miami gets the 63-56 win. Indiana, some people were putting them on upset alert against Kent State. Not really much of a problem in that one. Indiana, really good night for them. Uh, really in all facets, uh, led comfortably for a majority of the night. They win that one 71-60. to Trace Jackson Davis had a real successful one in that one. Uh, arguably the ugliest game of the entire tournament. Pittsburgh a 59 to 41 win over Iowa State who uh, was just I mean just awful. At one point Iowa State had a stretch where they were 1 for 20 from the field. Uh in the middle of the second half, uh, Pittsburgh though moving moved did move on to the second round out of uh the play-in tournament uh and then you had Xavier over Kennesaw State, what a comeback for Xavier in that one. Went on a 14-0 run after being down 13 to the Owls, who fought extremely hard. Um, and then, you know, Penn State uh, just dominated Texas A&M in their first-round matchup. What a performance from Adam Funk to begin that one. Second round, uh, you know, a little bit more uh, comfortable results there, although... 
did produce one of the better games of the tournament thus far. Texas taking down Penn State 71-66 to uh, in that one. Miami, though, had no trouble handling Indiana 85-69. to Houston pulled away late against Auburn 81-64. to And Xavier did advance past Pittsburgh 84-73. to You know, when you look at this region, I think, first of all, you got to give a lot of credit to Houston. Because with all the injuries that they had, Marcus Sasser, Jabal Sheard, um, there was some there there should have been some concern. Auburn played pretty well in that first game against Iowa. They scored eighty three points. That's probably the one of the best games that we've seen from Auburn since you know early season, early conference season from them. Um, and, and I thought going into the day that one could be a really close one down to the end. But that second half from Houston was absolutely dominant, and now it sets up a really tough matchup against a Miami team that we probably all thought was capable of being here. But uh, the way that they had been playing late in the year, we didn't really know. But that team, once again, as we've gotten to March, they've rounded into form, and they are the ACC's last hope in the tournament. Yeah, and look, the thing they've got that not other really not most teams in this country have is they've got a quartet of of tough shot makers um Jordan Wong, Jordan Miller, god they're they're really really good. Norchad O'Meara has done a fantastic job playing on that ankle, solidifying solidifying their their, their interior and, and I do think they will be able to push Houston. Um it'll be a great fun defensive matchup. I mean the first one to probably 55-60 will probably will probably win that game. I I, I thought when you go back to that that run Xavier went on, that might be a season defining run because I've told I've told people really all year long this team can make a final four. The way that they score the ball and they score the ball so effortlessly and so easily at times is 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 pretty eye opening and you know Pittsburgh just really never found their footing in this in in, mm-hmm. in the second round game and and so I'm I, I I think Sean Miller's a lot less hateable at a program like Xavier, where it's just, uh, you know, it's just a little small program. They are a Big East school, you know, just out there in Arizona where you're cheating like he was cheating and you had nothing to show for. It's a really hard thing to to really justify. He's still rather hateable, though. I mean, he, he is. Um and then I thought the Texas Penn State game was a lot of fun in that second round because yeah, Penn State's belief was as high as any team's was in this tournament. Dude, I I, I know, look, they, they went out, Georgetown went out, got Ed Cooley, great hire. If it wasn't Ed Cooley, I think it should have been Micah Shrewsbury. What he did there for a school that, I mean, dude, does not give a rat's patoot about basketball. They don't care what happens more than just about any team in the country. And the way that they played in the Big Ten tournament. Really, you could even go back to late season when they had a couple of important wins that locked them, in most people's minds, into the NCAA tournament. And then what they did in that Big Ten tournament coupled into just a a dominant performance against Texas A&M and then fighting as hard as they did against Texas. I mean, man, just a, a ton of credit to him. Uh, those those guys as a whole, they they shot the ball incredibly well in the Big Ten tournament. 
and in the NCAA tournament. Because before that, that wasn't really their calling card. Um, but I, I, I thought when they needed to shoot the ball well, they did. I just think, I just think Texas is just too good of a team. I think that's just what it came down to in that second round matchup. Dylan DeSue was fantastic, and I think they they just they just overwhelmed them at the, at the end of the night. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Um, the job that Rodney Terry I think continues to do is has been absolutely fantastic. He's got to have this. Have have we not seen enough? This dude should have I mean, this job. I mean, if, if John Calipari becomes available or shows interest, I, I understand it. Do you okay, so can you tell me that John Calipari can do a better job there than than he can? For sure. Yes, he's a better basketball coach. Based off of what? Um, have you seen him lately? What um, he does, he recruits well. He's he's still a really good basketball coach. I'm I, to me, I think what Rodney Terry has done if 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 he makes it to the Elite Eight and you let him walk for John Calipari and it doesn't work, there is going to be yeah, but hell to pay. Calipari has a track record everywhere he goes that works. Massachusetts, Memphis, Kentucky. Have you seen the what's going on in Kentucky here in recent years, though? Yeah, he's still a better basketball coach than Rodney Terry. I mean, you're basically, you wouldn't really be giving Rodney Terry much of a shot, though. Um, no. I mean, look at what he's done this year. Yeah. I mean, he won but the you're Big not, 12. You're not saying no tournament. to John Calipari for Rodney Terry. That'd be one of the dumbest decisions you could make. The amount of exposure John Calipari gets you. And to do what? To bow out in the second round of the tournament look, or earlier? Th- that's what's happened. He's still a better coach. Have you seen Rodney Terry's track record as a head coach? It's not I, great, Bob. I like, mean, There's a reason why he's been an assistant. He should get the job. Like he should have already been named the or named the coach, but everyone believes that Calipari wants out. I don't think Big Blue Nation is as mad as this year's defeat as they were at last year because you lost to a team with a better record and a better seed. But if if John Calipari shows interest in the job, you you hire John Calipari over Rodney Terry. I think the only way he doesn't. That that conversation gets quieted down as if they make the Final Four, which is a legitimate chance. This team can go to the Final Four. They're deep, they're athletic, they defend at a really they defend at a really high level. Their biggest issue is can they score it consistently enough to get there. Um, the thing about Colgate was because the way Colgate played, it sped the game up. The game up, they got easier shots. They were able to score. You know, they got to 71 against Penn State. I don't know if 71 beats Xavier. I, I, I really don't. I think you got to score in the 80s, but that's the way that Xavier wants to play. I think I think this this region is going to produce maybe the best Sweet 16 because you've got four, yep, you know yep. you, you you know you, you you've only got quote unquote one one high seed there and that being Miami but Miami should have been on the four line anyway given what their record is and 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 stuff like that yeah they were probably the better basketball team than Indiana Indiana did exactly what we saw from them down the stretch of the season win one lose one they and, are incredibly inconsistent and yep. for them it was all like for Indiana like again a team that had a legitimate Final Four aspirations and a team Mm -hmm. that could have won a national title and you wouldn't have been surprised but like so many teams especially now it's 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 matchup based. It's matchup oriented, and they could not keep Miami's guards out of the lane. And the thing about Miami that and this is what this is how Larinaga's built that program is they're small, 
but they defend. And, and so they were, I mean, the, the, that's, how they, that's how they came back and beat Drake. They won that game defensively mm-hmm. because the last four minutes of the game, they locked in on that end of the floor. So I, I think Houston-Miami, like I said, it won't be sexy. It, it, it'll be probably first one to 55-60, uh, probably wins the game. Then you look at Xavier and Texas, uh, you know, uh, the, which I had in my bracket, and I have Xavier moving on just because I like Xavier's ability to score. But if Xavier doesn't defend, and let's say – Texas builds a 61-48 lead like Kennesaw State did. I don't think Xavier's coming back from that type of deficit against the Longhorns. I mean, yeah, Xavier, Xavier's legit. The thing you worry about with them is kind of what we saw in the Big East final against Marquette, where you just have a team that comes out and punches you in the mouth, and they just don't, you know, they they can't find a way to respond. Um, that's got to be Texas's game plan because if not, I mean, you we we saw. You know, this weekend alone, I mean, you had great performances from Bohm and Kunkel, and that's one of the better backcourt duos. No, it's uh, Adam Kunkel, but I I would do wonder, is there any sort of relation? Um, also, just some coaching news in the college basketball world. Yeah. Um, it appears that Mike Bray is going to resurface at South Florida. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 happening. That's an interesting uh, choice. For so he's Mike just Gray. semi-retiring, just moving down to Florida to coach a dead program. Yeah, but, but, but enjoy he will, the beach and the sunsets. But I mean, let's be honest here. In that American Conference, especially with some of the teams that are going to be exiting that American Conference, uh, are they not like the favorite to win that conference moving forward? I because of who I their co- who their coaches. Yeah, I guess. I mean. Yeah, I, I got to be honest. That was a um, that was a rather n- disappointing news drop. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed. Uh, it, that was that was that felt wasted. It was kind of like when they w- w- it, like that couple is like the TV show Matthew Perry once starred in, The Odd Couple. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You got a mafia guy now showing up in South in in, in South Florida. Okay. I mean, maybe like if CSI Miami was still a show, you could sell me on that because they'd be investigating that program. That's not going to happen, though. Mm. Yeah, I think you tease the people for nothing. I think if you would have you if you would have dropped the Rick Pitino news, that would have been. I mean, everyone knows he's at St. John. Like, I just saw like this. This happened. You just five... saw that? Oh, that happened like a few hours ago. Yeah, I was too consumed with working and then looking at uh, coaches going to actual programs like Ed mm. Cooley to Georgetown and Pitino to St. John's. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, this this Midwest Z- Xavier man. I mean, they got, they got, this is, this is the thing about this matchup. There are five guys on the floor that can hurt you for each team. Well, the thing about it, and I saw someone bringing this up, like a college basketball guy, the thing that Sean Miller did in his year off away from coaching besides less cheating was he reinvented himself. Like, the way that they play, like, you know, when he was at Arizona, it was kind of a methodical, kind of like what we saw from Carolina at Roy Williams. They played the two bigs. They, there's nothing wrong with that. But now, I mean, they're five out. They're, 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 an offense, they're, they're an offensive-driven program. They score really well. They shoot a lot of threes. They play with great pace. That's what I like seeing coaches do is I like seeing them – Evolve like that's that's college athletics right now. Mm-hmm. There's no better example of that in college hoops right now than Sean Miller. Yeah, I mean, look, he he's done a tremendous. That was an outstanding hire. We knew that at the time, and they are 
incredibly legitimate. And I, I think I, I think you're right. We're going to preview these games in depth. Just from the surface level, this region could produce the best two games. And in my mind, you are going to have a hard time convincing me that Xavier, Texas is not the best matchup. Now, when you look at this part of the bracket, this one will probably be a little more difficult because I feel like the other ones were pretty were, were fairly obvious because of the higher seeds. Who impressed you the most out of this part of the bracket? I'll go Houston, and here's why. Mm. Down 10 at the half against Auburn. They're not healthy. They could have thrown in the towel, and no one would have been mad. Saturday was crazy. Okay. The way they defended in that second half was national champion. I mean, they didn't allow Auburn to score from inside 10 feet in the second half. That's that's an insane stat. That's that's unheard of. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like what like well, the way Miami won didn't surprise me. I've been beating down the door for Xavier as a final four threat really all year long. Texas was really well. The way Houston won in that second half, me I think they were down 10 and won by 17. Plus 27 in the second half. Give me Houston. Yeah, I I mean, I think there's a case for them and for Xavier. The Xavier angle is that I think there was a point on Friday where we all thought Xavier's getting beat here. Yeah. Because Kennesaw State was just playing that well and we've seen we've seen it before that you get to a point in the game where you just realize as that lower seeded team, we are not coming back. Nope. And it felt like it was getting near that point. And with about eight minutes in the game, they were left in the game, they responded. And I think that Sean Miller deserves a ton of credit. And you saw from that point forward, Xavier looked like, I mean, they, they might have been the best team in this region from that point forward. Mm-hmm. They, they were just, I mean, they were dominant. That that score against Pittsburgh, the final score doesn't show you just how outstanding they played yesterday. I, I think I think Xavier deserves all the credit in the world. I think them and Houston are probably the ones. And, I mean, Miami as well, because Miami also played two different types of games. As you mentioned, the first game, they had to win it with their defense against a tough veteran team um, that – I think a lot of people, including myself, uh, thought had a really good shot to beat them. And then for them to come out and score the way that they did against Indiana, especially when Indiana made the run after a great start for Miami early. I mean, they were up by 14. Indiana comes all the way back, takes the lead. It would have been easy to just throw in the towel there and say, look, this season hasn't really been what we thought. You know, still a really good team so far this year, Miami, but this is, you know, we we are what a lot of people thought we were. They didn't do that. Larinaga uh, able to get his guys back on track, and they just they hit a ton of shots down the stretch. But uh, it was it, it was just an extremely impressive performance. And what 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 did you think? Best game from this week? I I thought it was Texas Penn State. I thought that was an. I mean, what what a what a game that was. Oh no, it was it was Xavier Kennesaw State. The energy because you you yeah had, you, you yeah. Thought, you thought you had the upset the way they came back, and the Kennesaw State didn't didn't go down quite. I thought that was the best game from that region. All right, so there is your look at the Midwest region. When we come back, 
It's our final region. It is the West region. And yes, the number one seed in the West region has been eliminated. There's some controversy around their seeding still to this day. But you also have that bracket opening up for a longtime power that looks to be back on the rise. We'll talk about that and everything else in the West region when we come back on the WFNZ March Madness Show. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Hey guys, welcome back in. It's WFNZ's March Madness show. Fiddy and Flown, we're hanging out here with you guys, talking about the first two week, uh, first two rounds of the tournament. We got one region left to go here. That is the West region. Let's run through these results here pretty quickly. Kansas, the one seed, took down Howard, ninety six to sixty eight. Uh, in the 8-9 matchup, Arkansas-Illinois was about as ugly as we thought it was going to be, but the Hogs, they outlast the Fighting Illini 73-63. St. Mary's took down VCU in the 5-12, 63-51. The Con, big second half against Iona. They they cruised to an 87-63 uh, win. Uh, TCU, the 6-11, they took down Arizona State 72-60. Gonzaga took down Grand Canyon 82-70. Northwestern took down Boise in the 7-10, 75-67. And then UCLA, they took down local uh, program UNC Asheville 86-53 in a game that wasn't even as close as that score indicated. So we've been saying the best games of the weekend. Um, the ugliest game of the tournament so far was that one. Yeah, UNC Asheville just completely overwhelmed by UCLA's size and athleticism. We said that, though. Bad draw, location two. They they just, they had everything going against them. And then in the second round, Arkansas, they upset Kansas (sighs) 72-71. No Bill Self, I think, was a big reason why Kansas got beat. no question. Uh, UConn, they beat St. Mary's in that 4-5 matchup 70-55. The game, to to conclude the second round, maybe the best, well, maybe the second best game of the tournament Gonzaga uh, outlasting TCU 84-81 in a shootout and then UCLA on Saturday night they just outlasted Northwestern 68-263 in a game that really uh, really turned turned back the clock because both teams were moving at a snail's pace defined ugly you know, the the thing about this region is you got the 8-1 upset over Arkansas and Kansas. Uh, third straight Sweet 16, by the way, for the Hawks. Eric Musselman, the job he continues to do in Fayetteville, which is nice to see because Arkansas is the one school that cares about both of their programs despite being in a football uh, a, a football worshiping conference. You know, that, that one's going to get the headlines – because it's the upset Kansas defending national champion, all that great stuff. UConn was the best team we saw out of this region all, all weekend long. Yeah, um, I don't. Yep. You know, I don't, I don't. I don't disagree with that at all. They're a team I I have. They're in my Final Four. That they they can score it in so many different ways. They defend at a really high level. They've got length. They've got athleticism, and they just they overwhelm people. 
They 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 just wear they wear people down. They're like how I was with all my ex-girlfriends. I just wore them down to the point where they quit. All these teams that they beat this weekend. Yeah, it's pretty accurate. You know, Iona and then St. Mary's. I mean, St. Mary's at one point was shooting 47% in the game. And then they went eight minutes without scoring. Yeah, I mean, look, Alex Alex Dukas leaving that game was huge. I mean, leading scorer, that, that was... You wonder what, how much different the game would be without him leaving, but... I don't think much different. I don't know. I don't know. They they would have scored the ball, I think, better in that second half. I would not have been shocked, though, if Connecticut still won by double digits because, I mean, the way that... I, I mean, really, the way the team this team plays on the defensive end of the floor leading to what they do offensively is outstanding. And you saw, really, it was the same recipe in both games. The first half, relatively even. Iona, I mean, there was a point in that game where Iona looked like they were going to be hanging around for the long haul. But in, in in the early part of that second half in both games, you saw UConn take control. And that's the thing that you want to see from teams like this. Man, Sonogo... I mean, he might be the best player in this tournament right now. I mean, he has been outstanding. Both games, over 20 points. They they just they don't have they they don't have the horses. You know, these teams don't have the horses to stop him. And I mean, their guard play has has, has been you know, good enough. It's it's been very supportive around Sonogo, which is what you need. Like I said, one of the biggest things, you can have a dominant big. We've seen that before. Hell, Carolina was like that last year. You have to have the guard play to support those guys, and that's that's always been one of the staples for UConn when they've made runs is really good guard play. Well, this time it's a little bit different. They're led by that guy in the front court, and they've got good enough guard play to help them out. And again, you talk about – look – you have some upsets that have led to some very entertaining matchups on the other side of the bracket, the South and the East. The Midwest and the West have the be- probably the four best Sweet 16 matchups, and it's uh, frankly, it's not even close, in my opinion, because I think UConn and Arkansas is going to be outstanding because here's the thing about Arkansas the reason why we I wouldn't say that's the team that impressed me the most didn't we think this was capable from them at some point they fit right into that same category that Creighton does they were a team that just needed to get healthy we knew they had the talent they've got hell they've got the depth it was just would they be able to get healthy enough for March and they have and the thing about them is is look we talk about Anthony Black Nick Smith, who were the guys that played the best this weekend? Ricky Council the fourth and Devontae Davis. Yeah. Those were their two best players. So that's the thing that's scary about them. And then you got Jordan Walsh coming off the bench. I mean, dude, that that matchup between the Razorbacks and Huskies, man, that's gonna be a fun one. Yeah, th- th- this this region, I, I think, is going to be like I think whoever makes the final four will be as battle tested as any team. Mm-hmm. Um, just because you know, like like 
and look, UConn is the team I have in the Final Four. Like, I know it's no joke. Like, I mean, Rick Patino was their coach, and he said after they lost in the first round, that's the best team that he's played all year. That yeah. team could very much win a national championship. What they did against St. Mary's. St. Mary's, the top five defensive team in the country, and they just wore them down. I mean, and, and they scored the ball so efficiently in that matchup. I, I, I think the thing about the way this bracket is broken is this feels like a year that Gonzaga breaks through. They're not as good as they were two years ago when they entered the final undefeated. Um, I don't think they're as good as they were the year they lost to North Carolina in 2017. But they've got a steady presence in Drew Timmy, who is this generation's Tyler Hansborough, where it doesn't mm. look pretty. Mm. But he 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 just he dominates the game in a unique way. They've got timely shooting and slaughter and Salas out there on the perimeter. Mark Few is still a really really good head coach. And you, you know the thing about it is they just they don't panic because I thought there were plenty of times last night TCU was going to run away with the game. Uh, maybe that was just me wanting that to happen because I I loved that TCU uh, team. That I told you they wouldn't make the second week. That didn't happen. Um, you know the the thing about UCLA is for them to lose the defensive player of the year in their conference and still defend the way they defended this weekend just shows you how much of a wizard Mick Cronin is. And it's maybe a reason why coaches should start wearing suits again because it demands oh, a level we, of respect. Here we go. I will well, Look, man, you guy, I hate to do this to him because I like him too. Uh, Dennis Gates wore a suit and got his ass kicked. He wore the same suit, though. He doesn't change it up. Okay. Like Mick Cronin changes things up like he changes up his defense. Well, here's the thing, man. With yeah, UCLA, man. they're back. They they are like, I hate using that term. Like, we try to use that all the time in football. UCLA. No, you do. I never do. UCLA. That's bull crap. UCLA is... That they are they are a legitimate long term like they they are not going anywhere anytime soon. Well, they're going to the Big Ten, like, so they're going somewhere. That's true. That's true. And to be honest with you, they'll probably dominate that loser conference. Because yeah, well, I mean, you look at what that team has done in the tournament, dude. UCLA is for real. I mean, you lose a guy like Jalen Clark, and they brought in Amari Bailey, and he's played fantastic at fourteen points the other night against Northwestern. And yeah, the way they played defensively, this is this is what we know they're capable of. This this game against Gonzaga is going to be incredibly entertaining because this is a clash of two styles. We talked a lot about that when we were previewing games in the first round. Well, now you're talking about teams that do them do it at an extremely high level in terms of the, you know, extremes. I mean, you're talking about Gonzaga who is incredibly efficient offense. They're going to want to make this a high-scoring affair because those are the types of games that they win. And for UCLA, they're a team that's going to want to slow down the pace and make this thing ugly. And, yeah, I, I think, I mean, look, I had Gonzaga winning it. because I had these two matching up in the Sweet 16. I, I do have to admit, though, I did not think that UCLA would be playing as well as they have to this point without Clark. And they have, I think both games, you could say whatever you want about that game the other night against Northwestern, them letting it back, them back in the game. Chris Collins, one, is doing a fantastic job with that team. And two, I think that at times is just the nature of the tournament. I don't know how you feel about this. I was thinking about this the other night. 
when you look at the tournament and a lot of the runs that teams have, is the round of 32 not one of the most difficult rounds that you have to survive? It seems like a lot. Of t- We've seen it with the Tar Heels. You get some really, really tough tests in that second round. It, and if you can survive that, that usually could be the difference between you springboarding yourself to a national championship. Because that second weekend, you'll see some teams that'll settle into a groove and and play two really, really strong games. Only, only because it's the shortest turnaround. Like, because if you if you make the Elite Eight, you have a little bit more time because of the way TV dictates the matchup. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the final on a Monday night because the tip is, is after 9 o'clock. I mean, there are some teams that play late on Thursday or Friday and play early Saturday or Sunday. Yep. Like, you have you have under 36 hours sometimes to turn around and, and, and get ready to play. The thing I, I really took away from Arkansas and Kansas – um, that was the first time all year I thought an opponent's physicality impacted Kansas. And I think that's where the absence of Bill Self telling them to play tougher really hurt them. Because when you go into his huddle, who's he's a national champion winning coach, you could argue he's the best regular season coach in the history of maybe sports at this rate. You know... When he's telling you you got to play harder, you got to play tougher. That that hits a little bit different when you got an interim who was undefeated outside of losing in the Big Twelve title game. You, you, you know, but I, I I never bought into Arkansas was going to win the game until the final horn sounded because I've seen Arkansas blow game after game this year. Mm-hmm. They had no business losing, but they won it with their physicality and because their head their head coach is a maniac. Um, he he was willing to get shirtless on television. This so, is this is his thing, by the way. This is what he does when they win big games. So if they keep winning, he's just going to continue to get shirtless. I mean, look, if you got that bod, if, if I had that bod, I'd be shirtless right now. Um, but I don't. Please, please don't. So, please don't. You know, really quickly, I think the team that impressed me the most this weekend, UConn. UConn maybe looks like the best team in the country today. <laughs> Yeah, I mean they're they're close, man. Them, man. I mean Alabama was still really good this weekend. I don't think you can discount them. Texas, I thought had a good weekend for themselves. I, I maybe I'm giving too much credit to Penn State, but I mean they're in they're in the conversation. Can we agree that they're the best team right now in this region? I oh would, God, that's not even a question. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't. I will. I will say this. I think UConn was the most impressive to me. I don't think UCLA is far behind them because the way that they've responded to losing a guy that was as impactful, probably their best defender, and they've slotted in a freshman and he is just kind of, I mean, he's picked up and and ran with it and looked great being a guy that is just now getting his first starts of his career. I mean, I think they got they deserve a lot of credit too. Those are the two most impressive to me. But I, I mean, I got to be honest. I think if you when you look at this part of the bracket, is this is this region the one that you were most impressed by altogether? Yes. Because I think you can make you you can make arguments for all four of these teams. All extremely four, impressive. All four of those teams can legitimately win a national championship. I don't think you can say that about every region outside of that one. I yeah, yeah I agree, I'd agree with that. So that's our look, guys. Uh, at at that. 
at the West Bracket. When we come back, we'll give our final thoughts, final takeaways from the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. That's coming up next on the WFNZ March Madness Show. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Welcome back in, guys. This is WFNZ's March Madness Show. Fiddy and Flound. One final segment here to get to. We're going to give our final thoughts and takeaways from... The first two rounds of the tournament, we started with 68 teams on Tuesday. We now have come all the way down to where no, just six teams, 16 teams remain in the country um, as we got the Sweet 16 and the Elite 8 on. Oh, you got the, the Sweet 16 Thursday, Friday, the Elite 8 Saturday, Sunday before we get to Houston and the Final Four. Um I have no problem saying this. That was the best first weekend of the tournament I've ever watched. Uh, no question. You know, and I've watched this event in in full since 2007. Um, you know, I've seen it where my team has won it. I've seen when my team hasn't won it. I've seen it when my team hasn't played in it. This was the best first weekend in in the tournament's history. And the biggest reason why is because the parity in the sport that exists because of the transfer portal and the NIL. And, you know, my guy Dennis Gates at Missouri called for a tournament expansion because of how often these upsets are happening. This weekend just reinforced why there needs to be nothing adjusted about the tournament. It is the one event we have in America that is perfect. It has no flaws. And this weekend just reiterated that with a great weekend, four straight days of 12-plus hours of nonstop basketball. Mm -hmm. And it was was as good as as it's ever been and as good as advertised. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think the, there the only there's only one flaw that I think it has, and I don't. It's not really even connected to the NCAA tournament per se. The fact that you, when you come up from Division Two, can't make the NCAA tournament for four years is probably the one issue. I, I mean, it's not the tournament's fault, though. No, but that's what I'm saying. That's the only. That's like the only thing that there at this point. I heard. It was oh Amy Lawrence this morning when I was coming in that was asking, is this the best postseason in sports? I, I got to be honest with you. How the hell is that even a question anymore? What, Which professional sport comes anywhere close to this where you would get the type of upset that you saw from Fairleigh Dickinson on Friday night? Maybe Major League Baseball. Maybe. But I don't even feel like it's that because, again, you have you can lose three games and still win. The one-and-done factor combined with the unbelievably the, the unbelievable underdog factor of some of these teams is, un, is unprecedented. The only other one that I could maybe make an argument for is in the World Cup, but even in soccer, but even that, like you don't see like usually when you get to the knockout stages, these are pretty legitimate teams that are there. They they have won, you know, they've done enough in the group stages. You don't have group stages in the NCAA tournament. Like this is this is unprecedented. And it's the hardest tournament to win. We had a we had a coworker that we used to work with. 
and I'm I I may lose it right now. That tried to tell us that the NCAA baseball tournament was more difficult to win, sir. If you are listening, I'm not going to name him by name because he may never work in the sports broadcasting industry again if we do. That is the dumbest take I've heard in my entire life. This tournament is just, it's its magical. It creates these amazing storylines. There's a reason why. I mean, dude, th- this tournament, how much of a boost is this for Turner Sports? I mean, you're talking about since, I just saw this stat earlier, our guy Bone, uh, T-Bone, from the uh, morning show, the Mac and Bone show, uh, 6 to 10 on WFNZ. I think I'm supposed to plug that. Uh, This is a tweet from earlier uh, today from Austin Karp, who said TNT's 4.37 million viewers for Fairleigh Dickinson's historic upset of Purdue is the best first-round game on cable TV since Turner Sports became a media partner for March Madness prior to the 2011 installment of the NCAA tournament. Mm. It doesn't get much better than that, ladies and gentlemen. Nope. And uh, the other thing, I t- uh, we talk about this a lot. Maybe other people don't. Maybe it's because we're, we're in the industry. We love talking about the broadcasters because there are ones that we absolutely love. There's ones that we're kind of eh about. You're one of them. And, I mean, well, we just flat out hate you. <laughs> um, I thought this weekend, one of the guys that I thought would thrive, and he's been, he's been doing it for a few years, I thought Andrew Catalan was tremendous calling Fairleigh Dickinson's portion of the bracket. Yeah, because... I thought he, he was, out, I mean, outstanding. He's the voice of upsets. He had... The call of when Georgia State, the Ron Hunter fall, has fallen off his stool call. Um, he just has he has what I like to call big big game energy. When you hear him on the call, the game the game feels important. The biggest takeaway I got from all the different crews this weekend was Ian Eagle solidified why when he becomes the voice of the tournament next year, it'll be the best decision CBS has made to say hire Tony Romo because that guy yep. lives to call ball. It doesn't matter if it's the NBA, the Brooklyn Nets, or a Big East game on a Saturday, no matter what it is. That guy loves to call basketball. And he got Kansas State, Kentucky. Many people believe that was the best game of the first weekend of the tournament. And just imagine, I, I wish they could take Jim Spinarkle with them because they're like you and me. They're they're a great duo. They're a great power couple. They'll probably force upon him Grant Hill, a guy who doesn't want to be there, and Bill Rafferty, a guy that should never be replaced. But they were they were absolutely fantastic. And I also thought. And maybe because when he's doing this, he's not having to, you know, smooch up to the conference that CBS televises. Dear God, Brad Nessler has gotten a lot better at basketball than he used to be. Yeah, I, th- I, 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 I thought he had a good weekend for himself. I, I, I really liked him. Uh, yeah, dude, I, I wish, I wish Spinark could Spinarkle and Grant Hill switch places. That would be outstanding. Although I don't think Grant Hill could be a solo guy by himself. I think that's probably why they put him in there with Raft. He shouldn't be in broadcast. Um I thought I thought Nance I thought Nance was Well it's was, his last one. He's good. I mean he has no he has no choice do but you, to care. Do you have 
do you have a similar issue to what some people have? Uh, I have seen this on there. The anger that people have with him calling Houston games because he is biased. I don't think he's – look, Jim Nance. <laughs> I mean, you're I talking don't really about a guy that, who man. opens up every broadcast with hello, friends. This this guy's a Class A act. Doesn't he like everybody? The yeah. guy just doesn't want to call college basketball games, and that's why he's being replaced. There's nothing wrong with that. He's well, earned the right he to dictate his schedule. Or is he stepping away? Like. Kind of was a mutual. Yeah. So um, I have a question as well for Ian Eagle. Is Ian Eagle going to be in the commercials for Capital One? I hope not. He's too awkward looking. That's harsh. Yeah. No. It, it just just keep, coming from you. Just keep Jim Nance as like you know. Maybe. Wait a second. So you you are you don't like the dude calling tournament games but you want him in the commercials for tournament it works with it it works with chuck spike and samuel l jackson it just works dude ian eagle is a legend that is one of the worst takes i've ever heard and by the way this is coming from the same dude that revealed this week this weekend and earlier today on his show that he is officially going bald those are going to be awkward bald is the new sexy uh, no, you are just unbelievably awkward looking, and there's no question about that. Watch, watch it with my man, Iron Eagle. Um, the one, the one other thing that I wanted to say, on a, I guess a, a more negative note, I, I, I and I, I, I mean, I don't want. I'm not going to say it's easy. I, can we get, can we get Avery Johnson off these games? I, I the, 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 the weird references, the puns. I, I just. It ain't great. Like him and him and Stan Van Gundy both. They're both atrocious. Really, dude. Stan Van Gundy was getting some rave reviews. I thought he was all right. I didn't think he was great. Yeah, I I would much rather I would much rather listen to anything else than Stan Van Gundy talk. My gosh. And same thing with Avery Johnson. I don't know how that guy commanded an NBA huddle. Talking like this, I it it, it it doesn't make any sense. He makes Jeez. me want to claw my eyes out listening to him talk about basketball. All right, and there is Fiddy taking it yet another step too far. I simply said, not a huge fan of Avery Johnson. You said you want to claw your eyes out. So. I, I I do, but then I couldn't be able. You'd to... St- by the way, you'd still hear him. So wouldn't you uh, want to? Wouldn't you want to claw your ears off? Uh, no, I mean you got to have those. You don't have to have your eyes. Uh, okay, we're not getting into whatever that debate would become right there. Uh, you guys did this on your show earlier today. I guess it's sort of like an adjusted version of this. Uh, what would be your final four from the group that is remaining? I mean, clearly you've got to switch. you got to switch Purdue and Arizona for you. Uh, I can keep UConn and Houston because they're still, they're still alive. Yep. Um, you Would go, you keep both of those? Yeah, you go up. You go up to the top left. Mm. Something tells me. Uh, something tells me, Bama. They go to the Final Four. Okay. And then the bottom left. I like Kansas State. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That backcourt, Jerome Tang. Little baby in the locker room, too much. Yeah, I mean, look, I had Alabama. I'm still going to stick with that, although I think that Elite Eight game between them and Creighton 
will be amazing. Um, man, the East, the East is the toughest one, man. Because I'm with you. I believe in Kansas State. I like what they did this weekend. Is is Tom is Tom Izzo gonna freaking do this? I hope not. I I hope not either. I'm uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Jerome Tang at Kansas State. I'm I'm with you on that one. Uh here I had Texas. I'll stick with that. I I, I think. I mean, so far, I, I know, you know, what Houston did was impressive. I think Miami's more dangerous. I, th- I think I think Texas is the best team in that region right now. So I'll stick with that. And then in the West, I had Kansas. So, yeah, I'll probably go with UConn. But, man, I, like, I, like we said earlier, I wouldn't be shocked if any of those teams – come out of there that 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 is a tremendous part of the bracket uh new new national title team you have to pick your you, you have to pick one because you picked uh purdue uh yukon really um i'll go with bama yeah i think i think the way you know again we we talked about how dynamic they are scoring the ball but they've also been at, at tremendous defensively i, I think i think bama is probably too much um, oh, real quick, before you get out of here, promote uh, this for you guys. And you, by the way. Oh, wait, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. To be determined. Um, the fun may be over for the Devils and Pack, but the tournament continues with the Sweet 16 this Thursday night at the Carolina Alehouse Waverly location. Stop by and load up for the games with Wes and Walker starting at 7 p.m. and watch all of the action on the dozens of big screens, high-definition televisions. And speaking of TVs, sign up for a chance to win a 75-inch HD TV courtesy of the fine folks at Planet Kia and PlanetKiaNC.com. That's this Thursday night at the Carolina Alehouse Waverly location located off of exit 56 on uh, on 485 with Wes and Walker, the very best in fresh food, fine drinks, and great company beginning at 7 p.m. Brought to you by the Carolina Alehouse, Planet Kia, and Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. With that, guys, this is going to wrap up our coverage here today talking about the 2023 NCAA tournament. We will be back later this week to preview the Sweet 16 and in the Elite Eight games. But in the meantime, guys, we do encourage you guys to check out Sports Radio WFNZ. You can hear us on 92.7 FM or on the Odyssey app from 6A to 6P. If you missed any of our four any of our four programs, check out the podcast feeds as well. This is going to wrap up this uh, this edition of our March Madness show coverage. We'll be back later in the week for Josh and Anthony. We want to say thank you for listening. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.